Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, welcome to Revolution. We have a snowy, snowy week here in Minnesota, in the Minneapolis area, and it uh, seems like everyone got snowed in except for the Uber driver, so that's good. Caleb made it, so we're having a very intimate service today, because, <laughs> you know, we're like the post, post office, postman, post person. <laughs> no rain, nor hail, no snow, nor sleet. Sleet will keep us from preaching the gospel. Um, speaking of snow, I spent this morning. I keep saying plowing the snow, but I don't think that's what it's really called. Well, I was shoveling and I was using my snow plow. I guess that's what they call it. So I was plowing this snow. No, like a push. Let's get rid of the snow. We got a lot of snow last night. And my car is a Prius, so it gets stuck in five inches of snow, which is great. Um, tough to get around. I almost didn't get here today. So... But I made it. I said, no is unacceptable, brothers and sisters. Someone's got, uh, someone's going to need to get a blessing. Um, <laughs> don't know who that is. Someone here in the crowd. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening as always. And forgive me, I got a little stuffed up nose. But I do have reading glasses today, so... Finally broke down and did that. So it'd be easier to read. We're in Galatians, and we're closing out Galatians and kind of doing Galatians in a nutshell, which I was only planning on doing in one service. But uh, last one went long, if you listen to that. So uh, here we are. At part eight of the Galatians study, but this is the wrap up. Um, so yeah, let's get into that. I ended with uh, my one of my favorite verses in two twenty one that says, "I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification comes through the law, then there is no need for Christ, or then Christ died for nothing." And uh, I find that a very powerful sermon talk. And I could probably just preach on that for a few minutes. But I'm not going to because I did that last week, but I'm tempted to. Um, but we're looking at what Galatians was going through. And basically we've got Paul, the apostle, who is very upset at a group who's come into Galatia and and started to rebuild the law. Paul came in and taught grace and mercy. And then basically they came in and said, 
no, you have to be circumcised. No, you need to be practice these traditions. No, you need to do this uh, in order to be a real Christian. And Paul was like, no, those things make Christ life in vain or death in vain and makes you legalistic. And Paul was a great enemy against legalism. In Galatians 3.1, you can see his frustration. He says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly executed as crucified, or publicly exhibited as crucified. So Paul's saying, you know, it was clear that you saw these things. It was clear that, that Jesus died for you. You know, I made it clear. You saw it as clear. And now you're just going to throw it away. It kind of goes back to uh, Galatians 1.6 where he goes, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So Paul's kind of repeating that and showing his frustration. Down in uh, 3 he goes, Are you so foolish? So he's very upset here. Um, jump down to 17. He's trying to, he really wants to get his point across here. And he goes, my point is this. The law which came from 130 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. Now, it's again, my point is this. The law which came 430 years later does not annul... So he's talking about the promise that was made to Abraham and how the law came later to uh, Moses 430 years later. And so that... That is... Uh, that's the point. So, 28 and 29... Galatians, Galatians 28 and 29. Where are you? There you are. Here's another one of my favorite verses from, from Galatians. It says, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all you all are one in Christ Jesus. And you belong to Christ, then you are... Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And so basically what Paul is trying to say here is, you know, there's no class distinction anymore. There's no us and them anymore. Um, there's no hierarchy, class hierarchy that there was before. That's why the pastoral epistles have always troubled me is because it's a, Reestablishing of hierarchy in the in in the in ministry work, and that's why I don't like the pastoral epistles, and that's why most people believe that the pastoral epistles were written by someone else. Even some people call it anti-Paul, uh, anti-Paulinian. So that's where you go, because here Paul's tearing down the structures that have been put up. And also, he's referring to a prayer that uh, 
was prayed, the Judaizers would have prayed, they said, would say, uh, thank God I'm not a Greek or, or a slave or f- there's no, you know, or male or female, I mean. And so he's trying to say, he probably would have said this prayer his whole life too. And so he's turning that prayer up on its head to show, hey, this isn't, this isn't how it is. There's no more hierarchy in, in this faith. This faith has been transformed. Christ has literally transformed and reinvented this faith. Um, then jump over to 4, 10. It says, you are, ver- you are observing special days, months, and seasons, and years. I am afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. Once again, Paul is, is uh, upset, you know, and wanting to make sure he didn't run his race in vain. And, you know, and that these, you know, folks were being pressured to observe special days and months and seasons as religious duty. Um, which reminds me of the Page of the Lion song where he says, if all that's left is duty, then I'm falling on my sword. At least then I would not serve an unseen distant Lord. Um, and Paul's making it clear that this, you know, this is... This is books like this is what cause revolutions that cause people to change, cause the church to change. I mean, Martin Luther, you know, and the Reformation would have read this book and been blown away by it. Um, Four sixteen through seventeen. He says, "Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want exclude you, so they, so that you may make much of them. It is good to be made much of for good purposes at all times, and not only when I am present with you." Now jump back to that. They. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to exclude you so that they may make much of them. So they're trying to make themselves higher by excluding them. And it's, you know, it's a power game. And you see it play out in church today where people are excluded or people are told they're not good enough or that their theology is wrong or that, you know, they're not on the right road. <laughs> and instead of being able to disagree, we excommunicate each other or start new start new churches or start, you know, these type of denominations, you know. And Paul, that's not the vision of the church. The church was to be unified. Um, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And it seems so. It seems that that was something that Paul was truly feeling. Jump over to five where we can cover a little bit more ground. Today is going to be a little bit quicker than the last one, actually, even though we have more verses. Um, Galatians 5, 3 through 6. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is... 
that he is obligated to obey the entire law. You want to be justified by the law, have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit of faith, we eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision count for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. You know, two powerful things here is that you who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. I can't help but think there's a play on words here of cut yourself off. But uh, (laughs) also, you can't be justified by the law. There's nothing that the law can do. And that's not old law or new law. Um, Because we do create new laws in the church and people get afraid of grace because they're afraid grace is a license to do whatever you want or they're afraid that it's a license to do nothing at all. You know, you won't help your neighbor or you'll, you know, party with your neighbor. Yes, is the worries. It's funny. Grace, grace threatens everyone. Uh, grace, I guess, makes everybody uncomfortable to a certain extent. And that's where we're to learn, you know, we can learn about ourselves where grace makes us shaky. And he ends with saying, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. You know, and thinking about Corinthians 13, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, you know. Things like that, how powerful that is. And that that's what counts. Once again, we come back to only thing that counts is faith working through love. This is Paul. This is the people that, you know, this was his basic message that's been hijacked some by things like the pastoral epistles or by other things that have been said that may have been added later to the texts. Um, I think Paul was a lot more radical than people think, but I think, unfortunately, due to misunderstanding, Paul gets put in a, a corner. Was that three through six? Twelve. I just like to read because I think it's it shows you once again how passionate Paul was. Again, I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. So Paul's really angry, really upset at this group, and you see it here, and you see the humanity of Paul uh, through that goes on in, uh, well, it goes on at 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only not to use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. Yeah, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You know, and that's what legalism does. That's what man's religion can do. It can nitpick to the point where people feel like they have nothing left. And uh, I know that for me, that's been a big part of my battle is not to be bitten and devoured by other people my own life. 
and make sure that I'm not returning the favor of biting and devouring back because that's an easy one to do too. Nineteen through twenty-five, which is the end of. I'm kind of rereading all of Galatians, but these are just the highlights from our study. Um, Nineteen says, "Now the now the works of the flesh are obvious: fornication, impurity, lasciviousness, which I hope I'm pronouncing right." idolatry, sorcery, which I, you know, struggle with, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. Now, the sad thing is, is the church usually focuses on drunkenness and carousing (laughs) Um, when they don't look at things like what does real idolatry look like? Or they focus on fornication, drunkenness, and carousing rather than also seeing the things like strife, and jealousy, and anger, and quarrels, and dissension, and factions, and envy. I mean, these are things that if you look right up next to them, they're the opposite of love. You know, the things that happen that come in to infect love and to cause dissension. Now, not that quarreling isn't okay or that hasn't happened. You know, I think arguing is important in relationships. Sometimes you have to work things out. But it's just saying if these are the things that are constantly happening and you're constantly doing, you know, once again, you know, beware that you're not consumed by one another. So, and... 22, it's the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. So this is the, the, you know, the, once again, the fruits of the Spirit show us what really the kingdom is and and, uh, uh, the kingdom of God really is here on earth. And these things uh, manifesting themselves in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness. You know, these are the things that I, I seek out in my own life and my own therapy and things like that. You know, I, I look for and, you know, I don't seem to find a ton of it in the church today. And it's one of those things that I've really, really uh, worked to bring in. Now, I do see it. You know, I mean, I do see it through people like Rob Bell's work and Pete Rollins and other people. I see this stuff. But, um, I mean, lots of pastors. But there's still a lot of groups that aren't that way, you know. You know, seeing when when the recently uh, the passing of Billy Graham... I saw how many people were really hurt by the church. You know, there were so many people who said how angry they were at Billy Graham or they didn't like Billy Graham or Billy Graham was this or was that. 
you know, and usually when someone dies, you wait a few days to say things bad. Um, <laughs> but people were upset, and you could see that there was a lot of hurt and poison from the church. You know, a lot of people had been hurt, and a lot of people had opinions. And, um, you know, it was mostly liberal folks who uh, I find myself in camp with. But I was really surprised about how much negative stuff I read, you know. Um, even about just his message, which I always felt was seemed somewhat harmless, but I guess I was, maybe I was wrong, you know. A lot of people felt harmed by it or felt that he was just a fire insurance salesman, you know. And, uh, you know, it's one way to see it, I guess. But it was just one of those things that I think opened up the wound again and, and uh, reading a Onion article about it and uh, reading the comments, just how many people have been just torn up and shredded up by the church and how much people don't want anything to do with it. And, uh, and I think they're not experiencing something that's showing love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and generosity, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. The self-control not to demand your own way. The gentleness not to demand your own way. You know, the patience to hold your tongue. The kindness to express love and be generous, you know, and joy and peace and, and, and courage comes from that too. Those things, put those things together and you do have a, a, a type of courage to live. I'm just looking at my notes for a second. Ends, 26 ends with let us, I mean, five ends with let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Continues to go on. And that goes back to 15, be careful of devouring one another, take care that you're around, that you're not consumed by one another. And what I was reading in the comment sections and things like that were people who were consumed by other Christians, consumed by religion consumed by faith. And to be honest with you, I would probably not want anything to do with it either. Uh, there's times that if I didn't have this job, I would ignore the thing altogether and walk, probably be easy to walk away from the faith. But having this vocation, I'm continuously challenging myself and studying, and there's still times I want to walk away, and there's still times where my faith is in huge doubt, but something continues to pull me back in. And I guess that would be grace. And to end today is in Galatians 6, 1 through 5. It says, my friends, if anyone is detected in transgressions, you who receive the Spirit should restore such one in the spirit of gentleness. There it is again, gentleness. And we look at this joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is gentleness again. Just don't be devoured by one another. You know, 
love each other. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, don't quarrel. Don't create factions. Don't be jealous. Don't be angry, you know, or be slow to anger. You know, it's here it is again. Restore one so person who's fallen. Restore them in gentleness. You know, do we see a lot of restoration in church today? Do we see a lot of restoration in theology today? Is there a theology of restoration? You know? And has the left left that theology behind? That worries me. That worries me that my liberal brothers and sisters are leaving behind restoration because they're so quick to point out the problems and so quick to point out the faults that they forget the importance of restoration. And that's a part of grace that I think makes maybe makes some people uncomfortable because they like being a critic. You know, and I'm a critic as well. But there comes a point where we hope for restoration. We hope for forgiveness. We hope for grace. Hope beyond hope. goes on to say, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For in those who are nothing think of themselves as something, they only deceive themselves. And uh, jump over to 9, where, where it ends. I just like this part. So let us not grow weary of doing what is right, for we will reap the harvest in time if we do not give up. And uh, when you take off the lenses of legalism and say, let's not grow weary of doing what right is, you realize what doing right is is sharing joy, sharing peace, sharing patience, sharing kindness, being generous, being faithful, having self-control, you know, Love that never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. This is the things that saying not give up. You know, it's not this legalistic moral code, you know, that he's saying don't give up or don't grow weary of. He's saying don't get weary of loving people because it is a thing that you can, you can grow weary of. Um, don't get weary of reminding people of the power of grace. You know, and Paul, like Billy Graham, believed in justification comes through faith. And he believed that there was saving power there. You know, so I mean, I guess you could accuse Paul sometimes of selling fire insurance as well. Um, I am by no means an apologetic apologist for, for Graham, Billy Graham. Um, I just like to always look at it from every side and kind of see where the light shines and where the light changes and the colors, you know. Just keep turning it and looking at it. So I hope we have a place for that. And Because uh, I also remember that 15, 20 years ago, Billy Graham saying something about thinking everyone was going to get into heaven. And he got denounced for that. You know, and I don't hear a whole lot of people saying, you know, bringing that one up. Uh, that's a pretty big one when you've been 
preaching what he preached most of his life and sitting with politicians most of his life. So, anyway, I don't know why I brought Billy Graham into this, but I did. And there you go. Um, I hope that this study has brought grace to you and brought hope to you. And uh, I know it does to me. And we will revisit Galatians next year, (laughs) January next year, and see what we get from it then. But otherwise, thank you for listening. And uh, if revolution is part of your life and something that you consider your church, please consider making donation. Um, I hate to always harp on that, but we are a nonprofit, and that's how we stay alive. And how we're able to have services here in Minnesota is by your contributions. You make this church possible. So, as always, we'd rather have you listening than your money. So, by no means... uh, feel guilted that way but if it's something you can do or something you feel led to do uh, please consider uh, helping out this church so thank you all so much and this is Revolution Church